Welcome everybody to the uh, 19th session of the Fireside Chat. Since Donna is not available today, um, I'll take over her role and ask the questions for all the people who are not present today. So uh, we'll start with the first question, which uh, is related to an answer you gave uh, in the October Fireside Chat. And um, it's about uh, restarting physical reality from a previous checkpoint. That's the topic. In the October Fireside chat, you answered a question about the future and said that the larger consciousness system might intervene in large-scale global events to maintain the stability of the learning lab. And that if something bad happened, it could restart the entire simulation of the physical reality from the previous checkpoint. While that makes sense from a pure simulation standpoint, what about the development of consciousness that took place after the checkpoint during the first run? Would it all be lost during the reset? Okay, no, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be lost. Um, experience creates learning and that learning is captured uh, uh, within you know, the individuated unit of consciousness, that experience is recorded there. Now, whether that, that uh, you know, the, uh, the simulation gets reset or not doesn't take away that experience that had been had. So there's, it's not going to eliminate the experience. The experience is there. Any learning that took place during that experience is still there. It's still part of the consciousness system. Uh, still part of that uh, individuated unit of consciousness and whatever growth entropy increase or decrease that happened during that time is still a part of that consciousness. Um, so that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't be a problem. And I believe there was another part to that question. Uh, I just looked at a few of the questions before I started and that is, uh, uh, you know, would you then have deja vu uh, afterwards? You can go ahead and read that part of the question. We might as well do those together. Okay, yeah, then I'll read the part two as well. Okay, the uh, reason why I'm asking this, to, um, why I'm asking this, is a discussion I once had with another person. He told me that the experience he, had, he experienced a two-year-long constant déjà vu, like uh, reliving two years of his life day by day and constantly remembering this is what already happened the last time. Um, this experience somehow reminded me of what you said. So, could you could that could it be that an individuated unit of consciousness experiences the reset of the simulation from a previous checkpoint? So could it be that it, that's the way uh, an individuated unit of consciousness experiences the reset from a previous checkpoint? Yeah, that's possible. You know, that's certainly a possibility. Um, you would have all of those experiences that you lived, and then you would be basically restarting at an earlier point, and you would have... Uh, many of those same situations may occur again. But of course, in the new uh, experience, after the reset, you would have free will. You wouldn't necessarily have to make the same choices. So in the very beginning, things would seem very similar, but as time went on, they would tend to diverge because you would make different choices, different places. So the, the, the two uh, uh, sets of experiences diverge in time, I would say. On the other hand, that's not necessarily the only way to uh, explain a, a you know a, a two-year uh, part of your life where everything seems to be deja vu. It could be that you are simply uh, connected to the future probable database, and you are getting 
ideas, you're getting some information about that particular situation just before or just as you're also experiencing that particular situation. So you may have a familiarity with it uh, in that sense. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there's been a, been a reset That's why this person felt that way. Now, if almost everybody in the, in the, uh, in the system felt that way, you know, that uh, everybody was having this deja vu, you know, for a couple of years, then that might be a good guess that it was a, a reset, but if it was just one person. Then it's more likely uh, for some reason they are uh, connecting to this data and getting the data just before they get there. Now, why would that happen? Well, it might happen just as a way to kind of give them some, some, uh, you know, interesting experience that's outside of the normal experience that we expect to kind of open their mind and get them thinking about, you know, what could cause that and why is it like that? And how come I have these, uh, these feelings? So who knows that they may as for that two years, they may have been in a, in a state of uh, kind of constant meditation, if you will, you know, where you're kind of in a state of openness and awareness and have this bigger sense of the world. And you're more in tune with databases. You're more in tune with that information. And uh, that may have been it. So hard to say exactly what was happening with this individual person, but yes, that certainly could be the, you know, an answer that it was something you'd done before, or maybe it uh, was very similar to something you had done in another lifetime. Maybe you've got in very similar circumstances and it just, you know, seemed like you've been there and done that before. Hard to say. There's usually five or six different ways to explain it. And, you know, different ways that it might have happened. But it is interesting, this idea that it's a digital simulation and that gives it a great deal of flexibility in what it, it can do and a great deal of flexibility in dealing with issues that might seem catastrophic from a local viewpoint. But from the big picture viewpoint, from the viewpoint of the larger conscious system, in a Digital system piece can generally be worked around if if uh, if that's the best you know if that's the better way to do it or what's called for. Sometimes catastrophes, uh, of course, would be left alone just because there's lessons in hardship. There's lessons in uh, catastrophe as well. Okay, the next question comes from an MBT forum user, and it's a question you might have answered similarly before. So maybe just a quick recap. Um, I would like to ask Tom what the advantage is, if any, of traveling out of body or using non-physical meta-reality to increase our quality of consciousness compared to just interacting in physical meta-reality and using that to grow. It just seems like a lot of effort to learn how to do it when we are already in a purpose-made learning environment. Yes, I would agree with that uh, last statement. Uh, it is not uh, necessary. It's for most of us, it's not even all that important to have out of body or uh, experience in the larger consciousness system outside of this virtual reality. Uh, the main value in such experience is for those very left brain people who just can't accept it, just can't uh, connect with it. It doesn't seem real to them. It's not their truth until they've had the experience. 
for those people, then the out of body becomes part of their path of, of making it real for them, of making it uh, not just hypothetical, but actually a part of their experience that this is the way the world works. And if you're very left brain, that kind of direct experience is, is perhaps the only way you can get to that point of, of uh, having a sense of the reality of the larger system. Um, but for those who don't need that, if they can say, well, I can see how it applies. I can see that when, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a giving, caring person, that uh, my life is better and everything works better. And I can see all the things that I can experience here. I'll tend to support this theory and this, this idea of the way reality works. And then that's enough. I don't have to get out and, and uh, you know, actually experience a reality outside of this virtual reality. I get enough evidence that uh, I don't really need that. I think it's, it seems real to me from my experience here. Or if you're very right-brained and now you get intuitive information all the time. And it really doesn't concern you that it's not intellectually, uh, you know, um, logical process information because you you have learned to accept your intuition, the things that just come to you as being real because all your life it's been that way, and you know it just it just works. That the things you get turn out to be, be functional, be important. You can use them they're part of your reality, then you don't need anything else besides that. So it depends on the individual. For an individual that doesn't have this, this burning need to get out and experience the larger consciousness system, there's a, there's, if you don't have that, then there's really no point to do that. Everything you need to learn is right here in front of your nose all the time, every day. And that's your interactions with other people. And particularly those interactions with the people you're closest to. You know, your spouses, your children, you know, your parents, because that's where, you know, you connect most deeply with others. And that's where your acting goes away and the real you, you know, comes out in those very close relationships. So that's a, those are really what you need to learn and grow up and become love. You know, zipping around on the larger consciousness system doesn't help you become love. You become love for making good choices. And there's plenty of good choices you know, to make here. Yes, there's a few other kinds of choices that you can make, say, in dreams or in out-of-body experiences that you might not get to make here, but that's not a you know, that's that's not all that significant in the big picture of all the choices that you make. So it's a it's a it's a must-do for some personality types and for some people, and it's a couldn't care less for other personality types and people. And it kind of depends on where you fit in that, in that spectrum. Okay. The next question comes from Ted and uh, is related to non-PMR structures. And it's pretty long, so I've split it in three parts and maybe we'll answer it part by part. Um, I have had recent questions asked of me in the following nature, and I do not have a good answer, but rather more questions than answers. Tom, you do not like to provide entertainment regarding non-physical materiality. However, you do give hints to the effect that there are features of uh, society there. That is, since there is a big cheese, there must be a hierarchy of assistance 
in our system with its trillions of entities. There are no schools or educational institutions in physical meta-reality fashion, nor newspapers or other mass media. Information is transmitted non-physical meta-reality avatar to avatar and uh, is more multimedia-like than text. What am I missing here? Could you expand further? And uh, you have mentioned that knowledge of the nature of reality is no more common in non-physical meta-reality than in physical meta-reality. Can you expand on this? Why it would be so? Well, I don't know, Ted. I didn't really hear in there anything that you were missing in particular. It sounded like you got everything uh, pretty much right. Uh, there is some structure involved. There is some society, you know, if you want to call that, some social interaction, some interaction of entities there. Obviously, the our virtual reality is not the only game in town. Um, there are other virtual realities that are not so structured that they're very, that they're physical, like ours, and most of the non-physical realities like that. There's there are these, you know. There are many of the physical type of virtual realities like ours, but there's also this very loose type of virtual reality where the rule set is very loose. As a matter of fact, the rule set might not be anything more than communication protocols. That's the only rule set they might have. In other words, it's just consciousness to consciousness communication. That's the whole virtual reality. Uh, that's still a virtual reality because it's based on a, uh, on a rule set and some initial conditions and the rule sets is how do we interact with each other? How do we speak? How do we transmit information? It's the uh, communication protocols is the rule set. So there's all sorts of different arrangements there, different kinds of virtual reality with different levels of complexity and detail in their rule sets. So it goes from the simplest rule sets, communication protocols to very complex rule sets like our physical uh, our virtual reality that appears physical to us. So we have all of these various reality frames out there. And within each of those reality frames, there is social you know, interaction, in which case, I mean entities interacting with each other, individual to individual, you know, not social in the sense of a cocktail party, but social in the sense of, of individuals connecting and uh, forming relationships and exchanging data. So that goes on all over the place. Now, uh, in our uh, particular virtual reality, because there's so many uh, in it and because it's very highly structured and has a lot of detail that has to be looked after, uh, it's, you know, we have this, uh, what, uh, what Ted himself uh, uh, called the, virtual reality rendering engine, which is kind of the, the calculations that are done to actually produce the virtual reality. And that requires a lot of, um, a lot of processing, a lot of uh, looking forward, getting ready for what happens next. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to do there. And in all these structures, there are rules. Even in the simplest one where it's just communication, there are rules. It's uh, you know, a, chat, a chat room with no rules isn't nearly as effective as a chat room with some rules, right? The rules make it easier for everybody to interact in a way that's profitable, most profitable for everyone. So there's always some rules and where you have rules, you have to have somebody to enforce the rules. 
or at least some sort of enforcement. The enforcement doesn't have to be 100% and very rigid, but you need to have some way of policing the system so that as rules are broken, somebody can step in if that becomes a problem. Or if a rule, a minor rule is broken in the margins, somebody can just let that go because it's just not that important. You see, there has to be choices to be made about how you how you uh, maintain these virtual realities. Because if you don't constantly maintain a system, the system will begin to increase its entropy. It'll begin to fall apart. It will become less structured, more dysfunctional. So that's why we have to have these hierarchies, or uh, and the hierarchy is basically flat. We call it a hierarchy, but it's about as flat a hierarchy as you can as you can imagine. There aren't these multiple levels of the you know the what the board of directors and then the CEO and then the vice presidents and then the you know division chiefs and it's not that kind of a of a hierarchy with lots of depth to it. It's it's very flat. It's not. Um, like most of the hierarchies that we that we think of. But there are those entities that are involved with helping the structure continue, keeping the, you know, making the rules, modifying the rules as necessary, enforcing the rules, and just seeing that everything works. A lot of calculations, a lot of processing needs to be done and systems grow, systems change. So the processing resources grow, sometimes the processing, re processing resources change and all that has to be kept up with and, and uh, you know, there's some maintenance requirements. So we have that activity going on, which is a social activity all in of its own. But within those various virtual realities, there are sometimes communities, communities of individuals of typically similar types. Like I have been to places where there are communities where all the beings in those communities are what I would call negative beings. They're beings that uh, um, have high entropy. Um, chaos is, uh, is what they like. Um, they sometimes have very rigid rules of their own within those societies. And, you know, so you have that. And that's, you know, you can call them, a, you know, a tribe or you can call them, a, I don't know what, uh, but it's a social social units, and within those social units, there may be things that kind of approximate what we would think of as family units. And within those family units, you know, there are small numbers of individuals. And yes, sometimes these social or these these like family units might get into into um, uh, I don't know what we call it, into a, a negative uh, interaction with other family units, and you know, it starts to look more or less like what we experience here. Consciousness is consciousness. So no matter how it's grouped up, no matter what the constraints and rule set are, it isn't really in a fundamental sense much different than it is here because you have individuated units of consciousness and free will to make choices. And that pretty much defines, you know, the, the social interaction, no matter what the uh, you know no matter what the social group is so it's just a it's varied now many of these these groups these social groups do not interact we all interact with each other here on this planet because we're all part of the same universe we're all part of the same uh, virtual reality um if you have virtual realities you know some are smaller 
than this. Some are, like I say, very, uh, very uh, light uh, um, constraints. Some have many varied people, you know, different kinds of critters in it. I know it's just hard to describe. It's one of, I guess the best way to describe it is this. The fewer constraints that you have, the more possibilities you get for variation. So within this physical reality, our virtual reality here, you know, we have a lot of, of um, different things in this reality. And those different things have all become different because the constraints allowed those differences. If the constraints are tighter, then there's fewer, you know, there's less diversity. If the constraints are looser, there's more diversity. So in, when we look at the larger consciousness system, the diversity is immense. It's not just like, you know, this, this reality frame, the diversity, what, what can happen, you know, what's possible pretty much exists. And when there's very, very few constraints, there's, there's no end to the list of things that are possible. It's a, uh, with few constraints, almost anything can, can uh, coalesce and create a social group, if you like. So it's, it's a very difficult thing to describe because it's not just a, a thing. It's such a, a, a wide breadth of different sorts of social arrangements and different sorts of interactions for all different sorts of reasons. But when you get back to it, for all that diversity, it's still individu individuated units of consciousness making choices with free will interacting with each other. So it all has that same common, um, you know, common uh, nature to it, which makes it in, in, in that sense uh, similar in its functionality, though it's extremely and widely different in its uh, form or the shape or the nature of the interaction. So I don't know if that helped any, Ted, but uh, I thought you had a pretty big, good grip on it uh, to begin with. I don't think you, you were missing much to, uh, to start with. Okay, so there's a part two and three to his question. Part two is um, going on. There are organizations of non-physical meta avatars which uh, with specific purposes, as you have mentioned, the teachers or Seth, and having had an assignment with them or for them in the past, you explain that you have had what might be called an extensive career as a troubleshooter or problem solver with references to some assignments. In fact, you are presently engaged in one of such assignments here in physical materiality with my big toe. So how extensive is the society of organizations such as the teachers And what is their range of purposes? How do they fit in? And all that this implies fit in with society. Okay, well, from what I just said answering the first question, you must imagine that there's lots and lots of varied groups with different interests. And sometimes you get, you get a group like this group that uh, I call the teachers. And that is a group of entities. Um, Well, I should say some of which, uh, probably most, but not all of which, have been um, embodied here in this particular virtual reality. So they're familiar with with uh, how it works and how the entities are and how the interaction goes here in our physical matter reality. 
And they have felt that they could be, you know, this is all about growing, right? It's all about decreasing your entropy, growing up, growing the quality of your consciousness. And these entities kind of got together and said that we think we could be profitable to the growing process, to the consciousness evolution process, if we made ourselves available as teachers, as uh, connections, if you will, from the non-physical. Now, that may mean that they interact with people here in our physical reality just by their intuition. It might be they interact through a medium like uh, Jane with, with Seth, Jane Roberts, or it, you know, it, it might mean uh, you know, other things that they would interact with, uh, um, I don't know, different people in different ways. But their point was that they could interact in such a way that their teachings could then be spread. The, the, the things that they would uh, explain could be, could be spread from that person they were explaining it to, to other people. Now, in the process of doing this, they're learning too. They're making choices about how are they going to communicate? What are they going to communicate? How are they going to express that? And you will find that the same group has worked in all sorts of different, should we say, social, uh, social levels uh, because there's a different audience there. So you have the Seth speaks through Jane Roberts and that was focused at the group of intellectuals. Okay. It's a very, uh, should we say, uh, uh, a very intellectual, very, uh, very left brain in a way. Uh, he describes things in a lot of detail and it's, it's not the, uh, it's not the story sort of thing. It, it's uh, meant for probably mostly left, left brain, uh, intellectuals to follow his description of reality and the, the words he uses and how he does his description. There's that the same kind of information is also given to people at all different levels of our culture, you see, and different parts of the culture, different languages. You know, it's not just given to you know, English speakers, but all over, different languages, different people, and every time it's done at a, at a different level. So it's a different audience. Let's say you have an audience of largely, uh, um, I don't know what we call them, uh, you know, middle class, I guess we call it in our country, blue collar, uh, working, working class people, however that translates to other cultures. I don't know. Um, and the language then wouldn't be at all like Seth's language. It would be in a language that... Uh, was probably less word focused and more metaphor focused. It would uh, it would be at a at a level and in a language using the words that that type of person can most easily process. Words that they understand, metaphors that mean something to them in their own in their own way. So that way, these this, this group are making choices. They're growing themselves by giving trying to be helpful, uh, putting their energy into this, and they're doing it in different ways to different groups of people so that the message can spread it in all sorts of ways. Now, of course, the problem with that is, is they deliver messages to two totally different uh, cultures. Then each one of those cultures gets it in terms of their own symbols, and now they might want to 
fight with each other because each would say, oh, I'm right and you're wrong. And that's not the case. They've both just been given similar information, you know, that's in their own format, if you will, their own cultural format. So uh, that's the, I guess, the problem you can say with it is it, it may create a little dissension here sometimes too. But anyway, so it's just a group of entities who on their own initiative decided to get together and do this sort of thing. And as you do it, you get better at it. So uh, that's been going on for a very long time. You know, you can go back through the last two or three hundred years even and, and uh, see that there's been many, probably dozens and dozens and dozens of cases where people just somehow got this information in a download. Now, I call it download. That's a computer science term. But uh, whether it's through a channel, whether it's just uh, you know, something that they uh, they get and and the source may be anything. The source that that person knows. So when Jane's downloading, she's she's talking to this male entity called Seth. Well, it may be some other kind of entity, you know, from uh, you know outer space, or it may be you know from one of their ancestors, or it may be whatever it is it takes to make a good connection and to where that information is more acceptable within that culture. So it, it comes in the form of whatever works. And that's, so that's been happening for a long time. So that's kind of what the teachers in these organizations, it's not really something the system put together as it is something that just happened because entities with free will decided this was a niche and they could work at it. And so it's been going on for a long, long, long time. And we, we get these, these sources of information. And sometimes these sources are just individual and that individual doesn't write a book or doesn't pass it on or doesn't include other people. But mostly the people who receive this information are picked because they have ability to pass it on. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's just something they need to understand. So Yes, those kinds of things just happen, and they're spontaneous. They're not uh, part of the plan structure. It's just that when you have a lot of entities that have free will, like I said, every, everything that can happen probably does happen sooner or later, and the stuff that's useful and works continues to happen, and the stuff that is useless and doesn't work goes away. So it's, uh, it's part of the evolution of consciousness that it, uh, that it works that way. Okay, so there's a third part to Ted's question. Um, you had mentioned being the protege of the present Big Cheese before he was assigned to this position. This implies a hierarchy above the Big Cheese as, um, as empowered to retire old and assign new Big Cheeses to their post, as well as his assistants I mentioned earlier. Can you outline the government in non-physical materiality? Can you give us a civics lesson, at least an outline? Presumably, somewhere this blends into an absolute unbounded manifold itself and those integrated, unit, integrated units of consciousness who function in the hierarchy above the level of the big cheese and the other big cheeses of all other systems. There must be some degree of coordination and an organization between them while each system is basically independent. Basically, you have already provided hints that there is 
such society throughout the system and actually a hierarchy connecting between um, absolute unbounded manifold and down to the level of the individual unit of consciousness and their avatars in both physical materiality and non-physical materiality. This acts to control behavior minimally and limit conflict. So basically I'm asking for a civics lesson on the whole of the larger constant system. Please fill out the disconnected hints that you have already given us. I suspect that this would uh, require many books for completeness, but I think that a more complete picture than, than present hints would be of value and uh, does not fit into the category of entertainment if physical materiality civics classes are taken as a model. Wait, leave it to Ted to ask really big questions. Okay. Well, I don't know that I can give much of a physics uh, lesson on this, a civics lesson on this. Um, the organization, organization tends to be very hands-off. It's not a tight structure, just as it does here. Here in, in this virtual reality, people exercise their free will for better or for worse, right? They make good decisions, they make bad decisions. And there's very little interference with any of it. If you make a series of bad decisions and that just gets you deeper and deeper into a hole, you know, mama doesn't come around and say, oh, poor baby, and you know, lift you up out of the hole and pat you on the rump and tell you to go back into the game. You just dug yourself in a hole and now you're gonna have to get yourself out. It's very little intervention. Things happen the way they happen. So you just, once you start it, you let it go. You let it become what it becomes. You don't intervene. You don't, um, uh, you don't kind of butt in to other people's free will choices. You, you know, you don't treat adults like children. We do that with children. When children make really bad choices, we stop them. You know, we say, no, you're not going to play in the street. You have to come here and you must stay in the yard. See, we uh, we uh, require that they do that because they're just children. They're not capable of making good choices. So we make choices for them. We override their free will. Their free will, they play in the street. But we override that free will. Well, you can do that with children, but you don't do that with adults. Adults make their choices they live with them because that's how they learn. You learn by having to deal with the results of your choices. That's how it works. So in this larger structure that Ted's talking about, it works pretty much the same way. There's not a lot of interference. It's not a tight structure. It's not one of, uh, you know, city hall makes the rules and they pass it down to the various committees that make their own rules. and and they pass this down and at the end you have you know you have the policeman at the bottom who makes sure that everybody abides by all the rules that's kind of the hierarchy we're used to a very structured um uh, you know who reports to who sort of thing this isn't so much that way yes the system needs some looking after yes it needs some maintenance yes somebody needs to be aware of what's going on and is it running smoothly and are there problems but for the most part it's a hands-off kind of thing and so it is with the people who are, who are doing this oversight. So it is with the big cheese. Now, I called the big cheese the big cheese just because I didn't want people to take that too seriously. You see, I, I try to keep those 
those uh, names light and humorous because that keeps people at least somewhat from getting too wrapped up around, you know, let's all kneel down to the big G's, you know, that's, that's not where we want to go with this. So, so I call him the big G's and uh, that's kind of tongue in cheek humor, but don't take that too seriously. Yes, there's a function there and yes, an entity has that, but that's not, uh, it's not appropriate then to make this entity into a deity or into somebody that, you know, is going to fix things for you or that sort of thing. That's not what it's all about and that's not how it works. So these entities are put in that position because they have the capability and the ability to track 10 million things or 10 billion things all at once and see how the whole thing is working. In other words, they have a capacity that's very, very large as far as how much data input can they process. You know, we each have our limits. We get, we get more data input than we can process than it starts to jam up, right? And we have overload and we just can't work with it. Well, these beings can process lots and lots of data and sort that data and turn it into, you know, is any action needed sort of thing uh, where as you and I would probably have trouble with that, uh, with that kind of a, a workload or that much data have to process. So the beings that do this are beings who have been selected, if you will, appointed, I would say, you know, I've never had any, any uh, connection with any elections going on, but there's a, the beings that have been appointed to do this. And as long as the system is working and there isn't any big problem, then you just leave it alone and let it do whatever it does. You see, we're not trying to force an outcome. We're trying to let the outcome develop on its own. People make choices. They learn from the results of those choices. And it's the same with the people who are the administrators. They make choices. They, they see the results of those choices and they learn from that. So they're still learning and growing too. So the big cheese is still learning and growing and evolving too. He's just doing it at a different level than, than we are, you see? So the, the same thing and at all the levels, that's still, it's not like, well, the big cheese is done. You know, he's this perfect being that doesn't, can't make any mistakes or whatever. He's an entity, he's an IOUC just like we are. He's a piece of the larger consciousness system, just like we are. And he's evolving and making the best decisions he can, just like we are. It's just happening at a different level, just like you're at a different level than your cat. You know, you have different sets of choices, different sets of things you have to deal with, different sets of uh, inputs and information that your cat just doesn't get, you see? So you're just operating at a different level, but your cat is still making choices and getting results of those choices, consequences, and then having to deal with them and hopefully makes better choices. You see, it's cats doing the same thing you're doing, but you're doing it at different levels. Well, these beings that are the administrators, we can call them administrators, uh, they're like that too. They're just working at a different level and they are doing the same thing that we're doing. And mostly it's in the same way, hands off unless there's a problem. So it's like management by exception, or you might even say management by crisis although it's not really management by crisis. That says that you don't understand what's happened, what's, what's gone wrong until it's gone really badly wrong. And I don't think that's the case. I think uh, these entities can kind of see where things are going. They have this future probable database. 
they've got a real good hand on when they need to intervene before things go so bad. So it's not really management by crisis, but more management by exception. Everything works well until it somehow or for some reason doesn't work well. And then when it doesn't and you think the problem is one that needs intervention, then you decide and make those choices of what you're going to do about it, if anything. So that's, you know, that's kind of the way that works. So uh, there are systems sometimes where there are arguments where it's like, uh, this person broke the law. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Well, that has to go up then to somebody at a little higher level who can see the bigger picture and make a decision. So sometimes they serve as, as kind of judges, if you will, uh, in that in that case when those when those things come up. Uh, sometimes there's interaction between what I called in my books like end division. And I said there was lots of these reality systems. And the big cheese kind of is an administrator over one reality system, but there are other reality systems with their own big cheese, if you will. And sometimes there's interaction and difficulties between those. Sometimes entities from one system go into a different system and start causing trouble, you know, creating difficulties in that system. And then the two cheeses have to work it out and see, you know, what they're going to do and how they want to handle that. And do they need any new rules or do they just need to enforce the ones they've got better or, you know, how do you, how do we handle that? So the, the civics lesson here is that it's a hands-off, uh, very shallow hierarchy. There is some hierarchy because for some reason, the big cheese who was under our end division earlier, let some things go that really looked like in the long run, weren't going to work out for the best of everybody, they weren't going to optimize potential for uh, evolving uh, consciousness. So then there was a replacement because the, when was this not doing so well? So that means the system does have some levels to it, but it's not like there's lots of levels. It's very flat. And my vision up into those upper levels just doesn't go that far. You know, it's... Uh, it's a very limited vision. So I don't claim to know, you know, all the levels in the system and I'm just holding back by not telling you about them. You know, I don't see very far into the system. You know, I see the big cheese and I see uh, that the big cheese has somebody else that, uh, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, that I'd say he reports to, if you will, although I don't think this reporting is really what happens. But anyhow, so yes, there's a couple of levels that I can see. And then I see some levels down from that, but it's a very shallow, a very shallow thing. It's not really deep dish bureaucracy because uh, that doesn't really work very well either. Uh, you don't need a bureaucracy when you can tune into because all consciousness is connected. So you can connect to everything. You can connect to all the things that are going on. Well, you don't need your, that's why you have bureaucracies that are deep is because one person can't connect into everything. So you need to have a subset that connects to this and then a, four or five subsets that connect to that because the person on top can't connect to it all. He can only connect to say 10 people. So the president has 10 vice presidents and each one of those vice presidents has 10, you know, division chiefs and each division chief has 10 branch chiefs or something. And so on, it goes down because we cannot get the information and process the data and connect to all the people in the organization. Well, in, in this case, with the administrators, they can pretty much connect with everything, you see, with everything going on. 
everywhere. They can get all that data and actually process it. So you don't need a lot of depth in the hierarchy. It can be very, very flat. You don't need a lot of levels because the, the individuals at the top can look into all the details and see all the things going on pretty much all at once and make sense of that. So that's why they're so flat and you don't have depth in the hierarchy. Well, I don't know if, to, if I can tell you much else about that other than it's a very uh, soft touch, not invasive, isn't something that you generally notice. And uh, it's just required by any system of, of beings with free will, you have to have some administration. You have to have some maintenance. You have to have some organization. You have to have some rules. Otherwise you end up with nothing but chaos. It will all degenerate as entropy grows. And uh, then eventually it's not functional anymore. So that's why you need to always be putting effort in at every level. Effort has to be put in to keep the thing optimized, to keep it functional. At any level, you stop putting that effort in, it starts to dissipate and become less and less functional. That's just the nature of things. Entropy, if no effort's put in, entropy always increases. At best, it will stay the same, but usually that doesn't happen it increases. So you do have to put in effort at all these various levels to keep the organization functioning optimally. So I guess that's as much a civics lesson as I can tell you. Um, can't tell you a whole lot about, uh, you know, what's above the big cheese and then what's above what's above the big cheese, if anything. And yes, eventually you just get to the larger consciousness system itself. And, you know, it, it, it's almost, you know, the way we use the language. We slice and dice and pigeonhole things so we can talk about them. It makes it easier for us at our level to talk about things if we put these various concepts and functions into their own little cubbyhole. We, we make, you know, but we're mostly, we're doing that for our own convenience. We are pieces of the larger consciousness system. The big cheese is a piece of the larger consciousness system. Your cat is a piece of the larger consciousness system. Now, so we say we have these level, this flat hierarchical system, and eventually it gets to just the larger consciousness system. Well, it's all just the larger consciousness system anyway, you see? So it's not like, well, you have the larger consciousness system and it bosses around, you know, this one and this one bosses around the big cheese and the big cheese bosses us around. It doesn't really work like that. We're all just pieces of the larger consciousness system. So most of these things I'm telling you about, these different, you know, different beings, different structures, another way to think of them, a more general way to think of them is to get rid of the pigeonhole and say they're all just metaphors for various functions of the larger consciousness system. So you and I are just, you know, as individual beings, this individuated unit of consciousness is just a metaphor for that function of the larger consciousness system that goes out and interacts with itself. And the big cheese is just a metaphor for that part of the larger consciousness system that maintains that interaction such that it can take place under optimal conditions and so on. So we get to the most general description there really isn't a civics lesson. There's just the larger consciousness system and all of its various functions and pieces 
that have evolved to keep the entropy decreasing, to keep the evolution positive. So that's kind of the big picture view of it. But for us to understand it, it's much easier if we break it into pieces that we can manipulate in our mind and deal with. So that's why we have free will awareness units and individuated units of consciousness and you know all these various entities and big cheeses and the rest of it. Those, these are just metaphors for functional portions of the larger consciousness system that need to exist so that the whole has its best probability of existing and evolving positively. So that's kind of the bigger picture. It's just all one thing, and that's the larger consciousness system. The structures, the boxes we make are mostly constructions of our own in order to explain things in a way that we can process the data and we can understand them. So I wouldn't take any of that too seriously. Don't think of it as there's a, you know, there's a, there's a committee or there's a guy who sits, you know, comes to the office every day and has a desk and whatever, and he, he does work and he's the big cheese. And, you know, he has a door and it says big cheese outside his door, you know, and he has a secretary that brings him information. You know, we can break it down into all these, these metaphors that, that are, that make us feel like, yeah, I can get a handle on that. I understand that kind of, uh, that kind of operation, but that's for our, that's for our use because we can see those things and understand them more easily. Really, it's not, it's not so much that way. It's just the larger consciousness system and all these various functions and all those pieces, piece parts that we make up are metaphors for functions that this larger system has to do in order to grow, in order to evolve. Okay, the next question comes from Ingeborg, and she will ask it herself. Yes, uh, good evening, Tom. Yeah, thank you so much already for these uh, long answers on the last question, especially part two and three. They were so useful for me, <laughs> you know. I've been in such a troubleshooting group long, my life long, you know, and, you know, I'm dreaming sort of things. And on the December 22nd, I had a dream where, where one member of this group said they give up. <laughs> that was so, and it was so great what you are uh, describing now that it fits perfectly <laughs> on my situation. Uh -huh. well, good. So, that's the whole, that's the whole point of these things is that the, uh, you know, it's, it's news that people can actually use. You know, if all the things I'm saying just end up in some big complex theory that we think about with our intellect, then it's, that's not too useful. But if they end up in, in uh, things that you can really apply to your own life and that you can use and helps you make sense of your own experience, then that's good because that's really, that's really what we're trying to do. So I, yeah, I appreciate that it's, that it's, uh, it's valuable to you. That's that's important. Yes, and so uh, I think my the question I have uh, connects pretty well to all this stuff. Okay, in my dreams I often meet humans who live or lived in PMR Earth normally. Sometimes people I met personally personally during daytime. Sometimes very famous people I never met, and we talk to each other in my dream. Oh, and when we talk to each other in my dream, we speak in context and in vocabulary 
that are definitely not rooted in PMR, but stem from the much larger picture you are always describing. There are only two subjects, collective evolution on Earth and personal spiritual evolution. This is, these are the two subjects, no other subjects. Mm -hmm. So, my questions. Do I meet the higher selves of these people? Or to whom or to what do I speak then when I dream of these people? Is this a certain area? Is this only my show? Or do these dialogues affect the, my dialogue partner? So, and what I want to ask especially whether uh, when I have these dialogues in my dreams and these people live on Earth, uh, and um, so what we are uh, speaking then affects probably their, um, their um, action on Earth in PMR. This is what I would like to know. Okay, and uh, unfortunately it's not going to be very satisfying to you, but uh, all of the above, you know, yes. is probably the right answer. It yes. can be any of those things. Indeed, it may be that you are having an interaction uh, with these people who are who are on Earth, and the interaction is a is a true interaction between you and them. In which case, uh, you know, each person affects the other. Each person uh, delivers information to the other that the other processes according to their own uh, you know own understandings, their own history uh, uh, and database. So, in that sense, yes, you are um, affecting them. On the other hand, you may be talking to this person as being played for you by the larger consciousness system just because of what you can learn from the interaction. Because the larger consciousness system will uh, interact with you in any format that that is helpful to you. So if it happens to be the format of, you know, your deceased mother, I don't know if your mother's deceased or not, but if it happens to be your grand, you know, your your great 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 grandmother who is probably deceased, you know, if that's uh, who it is, and that's somebody that you really have a lot of respect for because uh, of the stories have been told and so on, then that's the person that they'll, you know, use as an interface to talk to you if that's what's going to work. If you're talking about certain subjects and you meet these famous people. Well, because they're famous, you give them a certain credibility for knowing things. You give them a certain uh, um, believability, I would say, or that uh, that they know. And maybe that would be a reason for the larger conscious system to use that individual. No, 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 no. These people asked me for help. Ah. Well, it still could be that way. They could ask you for help because that's that's then asking you to how can you help? What do you have to offer them? And so on. So I'm saying it could be any of different things. So that's why the answers are often all of the above. It's hard to say exactly what you are experiencing. It could indeed be these people asking for help, and then the larger conscious system gets that gets that gets that plea. I need help here, and then they find somebody to help them. Well, now they can get two people engaged in learning experiences, making choices. So then they connect you to them because they feel that you have the capacity to help and that they have some need for something that you can supply. So why not connect the two of you so that now there's two people learning and growing rather than just the larger consciousness system playing with an individual. Let you two 
interact with each other and you've doubled you've doubled your opportunity for growth because now you've got two two individuated units of consciousness who are interacting with each other so see it could be any of those things it really depends on who's being affected by what okay you're having these experiences and i would say they are growing experiences for you this is part of your growth path to have these experiences so we know that's that part of it is it growing experiences for them that's the part we don't know for sure it might be it's probably a pretty good chance that it is growing experiences for them but not necessarily See, it could be something else it could be something just for you or it might be something for them and you but the thing is you just have to live with that uncertainty that's why when you when you deal with these things i say you have to live gracefully with uncertainty some of those things you just won't know and if you ask you may or may not be told the truth so you still don't know even after you ask because you're not sure because the answer you get when you ask will be something that will help you grow not necessarily you know the the fact it'll be something that, that helps you so you just have to live with uncertainty some things you'll never uh, you'll never really uh, get to know so you know to whom or what do i speak well that depends the larger consciousness system for sure since everything's really just the larger consciousness system but uh, do you speak to these individuals as they are embodied in this reality yeah could be or could not be we don't know that for, for certain um you know is this a certain area um well we're saying that generally this is this is an uncertain uncertain area and uh you know do they affect your dialogue partner they very well may uh i suspect that they probably do because that's more efficient involving the two people than it is just evolving the one but it's not necessary so that's why I started out saying it's not very satisfying to say, oh, all of the above, but um, just get out of it what you can and give to it what you can. As long as you're giving to it, you're providing as much and the best information you can for the other person, and you're getting out of it as much as you can get out of it, which is learning how to give, maybe is what you're getting, and learning how to express and being part of a bigger picture, not just stuck in your little picture, but now you're a part of a bigger picture on a bigger level, you see, interacting with other people, doing things. And that's valuable to you to know that you can exist and interact and make a difference at a bigger level. So you're learning, you're having the experience, and, and uh, you're giving as much as you can give. You're not just taking their, their questions uh, you know, very lightly. You're seriously working on this to, to give as much as you you can possibly give them. So you're learning a lot. That's good. That's the one thing you can be certain of. Everything else, it's hard to be too certain of it. But the point is, it doesn't really matter. You see, if you look at others, other things, well, am I really affecting that person or not? Not really important. What's important is that you do the best you can to help that other person and that you learn from it. That's what's important to you. It's really important what you say because you know I have really sometimes really intriguing dreams, and uh, 
I, I have to deal a long, long time uh, to, to get along with it. But, you know, I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning a lot. You know? So you, 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 do, you spoke about teachers. You know, two days before Pope Benedict the the sixteenth resigned, I dreamed he came into my room and asked and said, "So you you are a teacher?" This he said. I I did I didn't never knew that I'm a teacher, but he said, "You are a teacher." He said it three times, no, and then he made some signs on my eyes and so on, and then he he went off. And two days later, you know, he resigned, and you know what. Are you doing with such a thing? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you, this you is. You don't know. Yeah. Why you got that and how that what can, what that connection was and what it meant. You will never know. All you'll mm -hmm. know is that you did your best to connect to it in a way that seemed, you mm -hmm. know, right to you, and that you you learn from it. And that's what you do know for certain. The rest of it, you just live with gracefully yes. with uncertainty that you don't really know but you don't discount it and say oh i just imagined that you know what did the pope come to me and what do i have to teach him and so on like that now you're trying to analyze it in places where there are no answers so just accept what you have deal with it with as much love and caring and, and genuine interest as you can and that's it it's growing it's a learning so you learn from it and you go on and you call these your dreams Somebody else may call them out-of-body experiences. Somebody else may just say they were, you know, in intuitive experiences. The the format in which you have them isn't nearly as important as the quality of what you bring to them and what you take away from them. That's really what's important. That it's a dream or not isn't important. That it's an out-of-body or not isn't important. You see, it's what's important is the action. What did you do? How did you connect? And what did you learn? That's what's important. Yes, yes. Uh, these and these are the the you know the events I'm learning most. So really, really, it is. It's turbo learning. <laughs> I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, growing growing up is a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. yes. It is. It's a lot of work. You have, but you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets, and the more fun it gets. Yes. Uh, uh -huh. You don't struggle so much with it after a while you struggle a lot with it in the beginning because you have all of this these things these, these questions you would answer you know was that real was that really the pope and did i really have that conversation with him and did my words have an effect and you've got all of these things and they make you feel kind of well i don't know did this really happen is it just my imagination you know and with with all of that kind of stuff going on that just gets in the way it's better just to have the experience interact with it Give as much as you can give to it because you learn a lot through giving and then learn from it yourself, from what, you know, from what you, you know, what you can get out of it and then just let it be. Let the rest just be. And if you think about it, that's the same thing we do here. We have experiences here. We talk to people. We don't really know whether they got it, whether they understood it, or did they just smile and nod their head like they did understand it, but, you know, they just went in one ear and out, one out the other. We never really know. And if somebody asks us a question, we really don't know what's behind that question. Is it something that's really burning in their mind? Is it something they're asking because of somebody else? Or are they just doing small talk because they thought that would be a nice question we'd like to answer? We have no idea, you see? So 
the way we interact here in this reality isn't really much different than what I'm telling you to interact in, you know, in that reality. It's the way we always interact. It's just that here we have assumptions that we make about somebody asks us a question or comes to us or whatever. We make assumptions about all the details about that. Oh, they must have really had some sort of trouble. Oh, they must think that uh, I know a lot about this subject. That's why they came to me. And oh, you know, and all these are assumptions. We don't know that any of that's true. But we make these assumptions because that puts it all into a context that makes us feel good. But if you look at it just factually, we don't know any of that. We're always just in a place of doing the best we can for others, connecting in the best way we can, getting what we can out of it and what we can learn from it ourselves, and just going on. And that's really the significance of our being here. All the rest of that stuff, oh, you know, Susie came to me and asked me these questions because she thinks I'm really, uh, you know, wise and I know all these answers, so I'm going to have to be really wise for her. And then we get into this, our egos get involved, you know, we, and we have all the structure built up around it that may or may not be true. Who knows why Susie came and asked me that question? Maybe she did it on a bet. You know, I bet you won't go and ask him this question. And, you know, that's the only reason she was there. You know, I was on a bet. You have no idea. But we make up a story and then we believe the story because it makes us feel good about what happened. Or if we tend to be negative, we make up a story. <laughs> it's a bad story because it makes us feel bad about what happened and feeling bad is what we're in there, you see. Either way, it's our story. It's our assumptions of all of these things that we really don't know. So we get to the, the, the uh, we get into the larger conscious system, you get into this dream and you're having these things going on and they seem very odd because, you know, here's the Pope in your bedroom and here's, you know, this famous person come to ask you a question and you're thinking, wow, this is kind of weird, you know, is this really real? But you see, you really never know in any case, whether it's in this reality or out of this reality, is it really the way you think it is? So you just dispense with all that. You live gracefully with uncertainty. You deal with it. You interact with it. You grow up. And that's good. That's what you're supposed to be doing. The, the realness of it and the context around it is what we make up to make ourselves feel better here, there, or anyplace else. So just don't bother making up a context, except that without context, it just is. And it might be any number of ways, and it really doesn't matter because it's all about how we choose to give and how we choose to learn. And that's really what's important. So it's not a big difference. You know, some people would say, well, if you don't have all the context and if you're not sure that really was the Pope and you don't know that that famous person really was there, then it's just all in your imagination. See, that doesn't matter. It, it isn't important to the process. It's never important to the process here or there. It's just there is so different than here that we tend to not be able to make up a story. How can you make up a story that the, you know, the president of the, you know, whoever, you know, came to ask you a question, you know, the, the head of state, you know, um, the prime minister came to ask you, uh, you know, a question of some sort. How do you make up a story that justifies that? Well, you can't. So now we have this big problem. Well, then it probably wasn't real. Whereas here we interact with people and we do make up stories, but we don't realize we're just making them up because we make them up and then we believe in them. And then we're sure that's what happened. And it's a context that makes sense to us. So we accept it as truth and go on. But that's us creating our own reality.
That's not necessarily reality. It's just when we're in the larger consciousness system, we can't come up with a credible context because that's not the way we're used to living. We're used to living in this tight physical reality with its rule set. But the same, it works the same way everywhere. It works the same way there as it, as it works here. It's always about what can you give and what can you learn? And often it's the giving that's the learning.